against number one, Notre Dame. So that'll do it for everybody in studio. Rushi, Julian, John, Christian, Andrew, Andrew, and Jeremy. I'm Rob from Ann Arbor. Good night. On the road again. I just can't wait to get on the road again. Two months ago, WCBN hit the road to follow the Michigan basketball team in New York City. And a shocker follow. 4.1 left. Michigan does show full court pressure. Ship, long outlet pass into the hands of Collison in the front court. Collison has it. Tough three, partially blocked. Bogan! A shocker in New York City. Michigan knocks off the number four team of the country. And they'll get Duke tomorrow night for a 2K Sports Classic Championship. Now in late January, WCBN ready to hit the road yet again as we make our journey through the Midwest. Later this week, we'll be in West Lafayette when Michigan battles 16th-ranked Purdue. First up, a rematch with the Buckeyes in Columbus Wednesday night. It's our journey through the Midwest over a span of four days, two games, and two cities, all available live on WCBN. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. My partner, Jim Dwyer, uh, may or may not be here tonight. He had uh, school obligations uh, this evening that may impact his arrival. So we will carry on notwithstanding. Anyway, um, out with the old, in with the new. Uh, I guess I'll just make a quick comment about the Super Bowl. That's coming up. We usually make a prediction. Kind of an interesting... Uh, Upset uh, participant in the uh, Arizona Cardinals. They got sort of lucky in the playoffs in terms of uh, not having uh, much uh, competition in the uh, in their their round of of teams. They beat. They basically beat the uh, well the lower seeds. What what saved them was they didn't have to go play uh, in cold weather anywhere. And uh, I th give them a chance. Um, obviously, this is Pittsburgh Super Bowl to lose, so I'm predicting the Steelers. But uh, if Arizona can somehow uh, provide uh, pass protection for Kurt Warner, uh, there could be an upset. Uh, Arizona seems to be on a little bit of a roll. They certainly have uh, some highly skilled and experienced uh, offensive weapons. Their defense is a little bit of a no-name defense. Uh, Pittsburgh's defense, on the other hand, is uh, quite talented. And this game, interestingly, by the way, features a number of Lloyd Carr, U of M alum on both teams. Uh, Lamar Woodley and Larry Foote are key defensive players for the Steelers. Breston returns punts for Arizona, and you might even see Gabe Watson, that big nose tackle, play a down or two. He's sort of a run stopper, and Pittsburgh, of course, will run the ball primarily, so we might see more of Gabe Watson uh, in this game than we've seen in other games. Anyway, if you're uh, not into the Super Bowl, 
Um, go down to the Blind Pig. They always have a interesting show on Super Bowl uh, night, sort of uh, punk-oriented for those that don't like football. Anyway, uh, absolutely devastating uh, day in terms of uh, announced job losses. Uh, I noticed that Caterpillar is uh, cutting 20,000 jobs. I I wrote some of these down here. Pfizer, 8,000. Sprint, 8,000. Home Depot, 7,000. This is, of course, a continuing reflection of the deteriorating economy. And uh, Pfizer uh, will give them a brain damage award. They announced... 8,000 job losses, and uh, are, are, are announcing a corporate takeover, takeover of Wyeth for $68 billion. Uh, most financial experts view this as an incredibly overpriced uh, corporate merger, and uh, Pfizer, as the saying goes, is not wiser. As for Wyeth, um, they sell a product... <laughs> Buy it. Send it to Dick Cheney. He's in a wheelchair. Preparation H. He may be suffering from hemorrhoids now that he's pulled his back muscle. And we'll give Dick Cheney a brain damage, speaking of the outgoing flotsam and jetsam of the Bush administration. He apparently, in an interview, I'm not too sure where this interview occurred, but I heard a rumor that he was disappointed uh, that George Bush did not pardon Scooter Libby, who he called a fine fellow. And uh, Bush, of course, uh, did pardon, uh, did commute uh, Scooter Libby's sentence. So it's not like Scooter Libby went to jail or anything. I think it was interesting to note that as Bush left office, his approval rating was 22%. Uh, That, in fact, is lower than Richard Nixon's approval uh, rating when he left. the presidency back in August of 1974 under the cloud of Watergate. And uh, the Bush record uh, is terrible indeed. Um, Very interesting analysis of it in um, Saturday's New York Times by Floyd Norris, uh, one of the finer New York Times columnists. So we'll get to a variety of things. But this... uh, has a historical uh, chart analysis of uh, all the presidents from uh, George W. Bush down to Eisenhower. And what you will see under the Bush uh, years is basically the worst performance of uh, the S&P, the lowest uh, annualized growth, the worst growth per capita, uh, other than, uh, interestingly, Eisenhower and his father, um, the highest percentage of Treasury debt outstanding at the end of his term. And other than low inflation, that was pretty similar to the inflation that uh, went on during the Clinton years, a comparison of 2.4% to 2.6% during the Clinton years. Um, this snapshot, and I emphasize it's only a snapshot, um, obviously the um, economic uh, Quasi-depression that we're going into is, uh, is, is a very frightening uh, situation. Um, we are experiencing um, a quasi-depression, not a great depression, but when you see that actual unemployment rates in terms of uh, the number of unemployed combined with the part-time 
uh, employed and the uh, so-called discouraged workers uh, is now up to about 13 percent. You're talking uh, about numbers that are getting to half of what the Great Depression was. And this, by the way, uh, during the Great Depression was an era when uh, many women did not work outside the home. They slaved at home uh, doing housework and were certainly not paid for it uh, by any uh, stretch of the imagination. America, of course, continues to be uh, the only major industrialized country that does not have uh, comprehensive health insurance. And uh, there's also an interesting comparison between America's uh, maternity-paternity leave uh, situation um, in, in the United States compared to the European countries. And you will continue to see uh, right-wing economic pundits on uh, the uh, commercial media stations flogging the Europeans for uh, their poor economic performance when, uh, frankly, they have much uh, much greater vacation time. They have... Uh, more comprehensive unemployment benefits. Uh, it was interesting to note uh, that in terms of uh, unemployment compensation, uh, the number of workers that are actually in the system is down to 30, 30%. And things, of course, are particularly bleak for certain groups, uh, particularly high school dropouts. Um, the unemployment rate, by the way, for African-American men between uh, 18 and 64 is close to 50% in reality, though official statistics will show a much lower number. But um, Norris notes that the last president to preside while the stock market did worse than uh, George W. Bush was Herbert Hoover. Uh, Bush's eight-year term began and ended with recessions, indeed the uh, mini-recession, and there's a debate about whether it really was a recession, started after um, Enron, uh, as the documentary puts it, the men in the room that knew too much, uh, deregulated energy prices and created a crisis in California. Mr. Bush seemed to have forgotten that California accounts for one out of eight people in the United States. And when it goes into a recession, America essentially goes into a recession. Norris notes, and I'll quote from this, During Bill Clinton's administration, the number of new jobs created was greater than the growth in the population of working Americans, something that's happened only once in previous administrations since World War II, that of Lyndon Johnson. Job growth also sputtered after Mr. Johnson left office. Uh, Mr. Bush's administration was marked by a recession that began two months after he took office and another downturn in his final year of office. In the end, the economy during this term added enough jobs to employ only 14% of the added number of working-age Americans, the lowest proportion of any post-war administration. Employment grew at a compound annual rate of only 0.3%, half of the 0.6% that his father had recorded in what had previously been the worst post-World War II performance. So what is interesting about comparing these charts, these charts here, these historical charts, is that the economy has clearly 
done best under Democratic administrations and worst under Republican administrations. Hoover's numbers are not recorded here, but the only uh, president that had a worse economic performance than George Bush was essentially Richard Nixon. And it's interesting that they both left office with uh, approval ratings below 25%. And uh, Reagan, of course, is sort of in the middle. Um, Eisenhower had uh, slow growth, low inflation, and uh, not all that spectacular. Um, the Eisenhower years are remembered by historians as very productive. But clearly in terms of uh, growth per capita, uh, GDP, um, jobs growth, that sort of thing, uh, the, the, clearly the Kennedy-Johnson-Clinton years were by far the best. And uh, there are many bills to be paid uh, from the eight-year tenure of George Bush. Give out a brain damage award to John, don't call me Boner, Boehner. He's the uh, Republican majority leader in the House. And he, over the weekend, of course, went out on the talk shows, denounced the um, stimulus package, um, even brought up the bizarre quote regarding contraception that we won't repeat here um, since uh, sexual... Uh, innuendo and jokes can only follow from uh, his uh, complaint that the uh, package, of course, spends money on contraception. I guess what he's referring to there, by the way, is the um, executive order that Obama signed in a flurry of activity after he was inaugurated in that historical event last Tuesday. Um, interesting, by the way, that that was the largest crowd on the uh, mall to attend an inauguration. Uh, historians are estimating that there might have been a million two for uh, Lyndon Johnson when he was inaugurated, but I guess the uh, National Park Service or whatever they call themselves uh, was estimating that uh, there might have been as many as two million people down there uh, in the vicinity of the inauguration itself. Um, I guess I'm not going to bother flogging John Roberts for flubbing the uh, oath of office, but very strange to hear a few law professors um, and some dipsomaniacs, as well as uh, morons from uh, the Fox News Network, claim that Obama was not president because he had not properly uttered the oath of office. Needless to say, this was contradicted by other law professors that noted that Obama officially became president due to the uh, amendment to the Constitution at 12 noon on January 20th, regardless of the fact as to whether, you know, it, it turned out that the oath was four minutes late and all this nonsense. So we'll just give out a brain damage award for that sort of triviality and pettiness. Um though apparently uh, Roberts and Obama had a laugh about this and uh, repeated the oath uh, the next night uh, in the Oval Office itself. Very good article, by the way, in the uh, February 12, 2009 edition of the New York Review of Books by Jeff Madrick, How We Were Ruined and What We Can Do. Uh, he analyzes several 
recent economic books, including a series of argon, uh, articles in the New York Times by Gretchen Morganson et al., um, called The Reckoning. I don't know if that's going to turn into a book, but uh, I think this is about as good a two-page, three-page summary of the precise meltdown uh, that, that's, uh, that's occurred in the American economy over the last several years going into the disastrous uh, securitization uh, that occurred um, with our investment banks and how these investment banks have been forced uh, into essentially changing their charters or have, in fact, been liquidated, and how this entire banking system, of course, is uh, completely, at the end of the day, really a house of cards um, because underlying the banking problem is essentially a continuing um, default on uh, home mortgages. And this, of course, is what's very alarming about our economy at the moment. It strikes me that there needs to be a sort of a breakdown of the different problems of the different sectors of our economy. There's clearly a manufacturing crisis in America that's been with us for many years. Um, I would... Um, basically uh, state that the this manufacturing problem began in the in the early 70s it was accentuated by the uh, first uh, oil embargo well the oil embargo uh, that occurred as a result of the Yom Kippur war in 1973 when Saudi Arabia cut us off for 5 months uh, this uh, proceeded to infect the auto industry and the manufacturing sector and the so-called rust belt uh, millions of high-paying manufacturing jobs were lost as a result of that crisis, yet America did not respond to its vulnerability regarding oil. I think that it is promising that Obama is continuing uh, to focus on a, quote, clean energy concept for job um, development through the stimulus package. There's also the retail sector uh, that is clearly uh, in crisis and going to continue. We've seen the uh, bankruptcy and the liquidation of several well-known companies. We need not bother naming them at this time, but uh, Home Depot even today announced 7,000 job cuts themselves. Um, you're going to see some real carnage in the retail sector over the next several months. I would speculate that as many as half a million to a million retail jobs will evaporate. This sort of suburban sprawl mall uh, syndrome that's developed in the United States of America for the past uh, 35 years, um, dating back to the early 70s, late 60s, I think is a thing of the past. Um, it just simply cannot be supported uh, anymore uh, by the American consumer that's uh, in serious debt. Anyway, this Jeff Madrick article, who uh, he frequently writes for The Nation magazine and used to be a reporter for the New York Times, I think does a very uh, superb job of analyzing how the crisis developed, how it uh, spread. Um, and one of the books that he uh, reviews, by the way, is a Mark Zandi uh, book, who's sort of one of those ubiquitous financial pundits that you see a lot on the news. Mark Zandi, by the way, was an informal um, economic advisor to John McCain. But I think he's got a fairly uh, sober uh, approach to some of uh, America's current problems. And uh, Zandi, uh, in his book, notes that by 2006, 
more than $1.1 trillion of the $3 trillion in mortgages written were either subprime mortgages to individuals with questionable ability to pay or so-called Alt-A loans made to people without verifying their income. Um, in one of the other books that uh, Mandrick uh, quotes, Charles Morris, the book entitled The Trillion Dollar Meltdown, Easy Money, High Rollers, and the Great Credit Crash, writes that uh, 80% of all lending by 2006 occurred in unregulated sectors of the economy compared to only 25% in the mid-1980s. And, of course, this gets back to the um, lengthy easy money policy that Alan Greenspan uh, um, basically uh, underwrote as head of the chairman um uh, chairman of the Federal Reserve, he, he basically kept interest rates too low for too long that allowed this speculative financial bubble to develop. Uh, he needed to increase interest rates, but he did not do so because he was in cahoots with uh, George Bush's uh, re-election in 2004. George Bush in 2004, never mind that the Iraq War had clearly deteriorated, and it puzzles me why John Boehner, who denounced the economic pass, uh, economic package that's uh, being debated before Congress, can talk about $200 million as a waste of money. I think he identified the uh, refurbishing of the mall down in Washington, which is sort of the area between uh, uh, Capitol Hill, the Washington Monument, the Jefferson Memorial, that area where all of our great... Um, uh, monuments and many of the Smithsonian um, museums and whatnot are, are sort of located either near there or adjacent to there. Highly recommended, by the way. If you've never been to Washington, D.C., you've got to check out uh, the sites that I've just detailed. He denounced the uh, economic package, uh, the $200 million, as a, quote, waste of money. Well, Mr. Boehner, that's what we're spending in Iraq every day, and we've been in Iraq uh, thanks to your leadership in the uh, Republican Congress back in 2002-2003 when you were in the majority, uh, we're spending that kind of money every single day in Iraq. And uh, it's a little unclear what we're accomplishing economically uh, over there. Uh, we will see um, how quickly we get out of Iraq. Uh, Obama, unfortunately, only promised to, quote, meet with his defense advisors— uh, on the first day of his presidency, which he did. Um, so we will uh, see how that develops. Obviously, there have been some very promising uh, developments uh, in the first week of the Obama administration. We're not even into the first week, but uh, refreshing to see that Guantanamo Bay will be closed. Um, I talked about the contraception thing in response to John Boehner. Uh, that, of course, relates to the U.N. Population Fund, something that the uh, Mr. Reagan uh, withdrew from uh, back in the 1980s. And uh, this is one of those pet issues of the uh, abortion fanatics in the United States of America. Uh, both George Bush and his father and Ronald Reagan have uh, cut off uh, American funding to the U.N. Population Fund that America contributes a very negligible sum of money to but nonetheless is symbolic of America's ignorance of uh, some of the problems involving uh, world population and uh, how it is uh, 
I think uh, at the end of the day, you know, when you look globally at where where uh, you know what countries have growing populations, they're unfortunately uh, in the impoverished areas of uh, India, Bangladesh, uh, some of the sub-Saharan African countries. And uh, this, of course, is why there's, uh, you know, the, the numbers, I believe, now are up to 3 billion people globally that live on less than $2 a day and 1 billion that live on less than a dollar a day. Startling numbers. Um, and the, and uh, needless to say, uh, Obama is just merely uh, going back to the Clinton years where the United States put some money into the U.N. Population Fund. Anyway, back to Greenspan, uh, who's not an expert on contraception, but is an expert on keeping the Republicans in power. It's important to remember that Greenspan has always been a Republican apparatchik. Uh, it's fascinating, of course, to now learn that Greenspan, uh, an adherent of Ayn Rand and the so-called free market concept, uh, a, an adherent of the Milton Friedman School of Economics, I once saw a cartoon recently that uh, you could in insulate your house quite quite well with the uh, textbooks of Milton Friedman, uh, since I think uh, they can be thrown on the ash bin, the dustbin of history, as the saying goes. Greenspan, remarkably, uh, quoting Jeff Madrick, notes that the initial interest rate on adjustable um, mortgages was about 3% or even lower, but it would automatically be reset. And this, of course, is what caused the, the housing problem. Many people took out these uh, teaser loans and didn't realize that their payments would uh, go up by an additional uh, $300 to $400 a month. Many people had jobs where they simply were not uh, receiving any income uh, raises. Uh, due to this, quote, low inflation, when you're in a period of sort of a deflation, a low inflation or even a deflationary period as we are now, it's very hard to uh, receive pay raises in the marketplace. And indeed, one of the reasons for the housing bubble and the complete disconnect uh, between reality and fantasy was the fact that you had housing prices increasing in an era in which wage increases were essentially flat to declining. In other words, income for the average American was actually going down, not up. And when you couple this, of course, with job uh, losses and poor job growth, as, the, uh, uh, as we've already noted during the Bush years, pretty much the worst record since Herbert Hoover, uh, you, you have created a, uh, an automatic housing problem. And Madrick writes that Alan Greenspan public, publicly suggested that if borrowers failed to take advantage of the arms, the adjustable mortgage rates, they could lose, quote, tens of thousands of dollars on their mortgage payments. So there was a culture of promoting this irresponsible borrowing and lending because, it, of course, it takes two to tango. Uh, Obama, in his inaugural speech, of course, denounced greed as, uh, as a sort of a backhanded repudiation of the Bush years, and uh, did talk a little bit about irresponsible borrowing and lending. But, of course, it's the, the borrowers that go belly up, they may lose their house, but this uh, financial um, wreckage that's occurring now 
uh, in many major institutions is quite alarming. And it's interesting, by the way, to note that in recent uh, weeks, Bank of America and Citigroup are two big financial institutions that are at the heart of the so-called TARP bailout proposal, and that both of these banks are in enormous trouble themselves. Bank of America bought Countrywide and Merrill Lynch uh, during this economic carnage, and they are now regretting both purchases. Um, The purchase of Countrywide by Bank of America, interestingly, was just simply a matter of greed and perhaps a little bit of fraud by Countrywide. But the purchase of Merrill Lynch is a much more interesting development because that occurred on the financial meltdown weekend of uh, the Michigan-Notre Dame game. The uh, <laughs> It was a disastrous weekend uh, here in Michigan because of the rain. I don't know if you remember that weekend, but it must have rained for 24 hours straight. That was the hurricane that came into... Uh, uh, into the uh, area that pushed up from Houston. Houston was wrecked. I don't think there's been enough discussion, by the way, of the possibility that the power outage in Houston caused uh, contributed to the financial crisis because banks borrow from one another overnight. And if the banks in Houston are closed at uh, 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time and a bank in New York City can't borrow a couple hundred million dollars from their friends in Houston... One wonders. By the way, you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. It's just about 7 o'clock, and uh, Yazoo City Calling will be coming up shortly. So uh, I recommend this Jeff Madrick article because I think it gives a very good um, description of, of why there are so many widespread problems. The solutions, of course, uh, are vary because I personally think they need to come up with a housing solution. Uh, a re- uh, they need to forget about bailing out any retail sectors. I've even heard, I even heard a couple of weeks ago, Larry Flint of Hustler fame claim that uh, there needs to be a pornography uh, bailout because the pornography industry is hurting and that there needs to be a gambling bailout in, in Las Vegas because, uh, of course, there's some over-leveraged uh, hotel mongols out there that have over-speculated on the boom in Las Vegas, and Las Vegas has one of the highest uh, mortgage foreclosure rates in the United States of America. Very fascinating how a lot of these bubbles now are all popping all at the same time, and of course this has all been speculated, has all been contingent on easy money and uh, over-leverage. And uh, don't get confused about the, tr- the, the term leverage. This is one of these tricky vocabulary items that have been introduced by the mainstream media. They don't want to use the word debt. That's spelled D-E-B-T. That's a four-letter word. It's easy to understand. Everyone knows what a debt is. Everyone knows what an IOU is, but if they can use a fancy word like leverage, um, you may not actually understand what they're talking about. But just remember that leverage equals debt, and over-leverage means too much debt, or your IOU is a little bit too big for your britches. Um, Because Gretchen Morgenson, for instance, describes how Merrill Lynch made 12 major acquisitions of mortgage and real estate companies between 2005 
in early 2007 in order to take, to take advantage of the boom, packaging the mortgage into mortgage-backed obligations themselves and then selling them off or investing in them. And, of course, Merrill's uh, books taught with all this toxic uh, debt were purchased by Bank of America, which is now looking at bankruptcy. Bank of America and Citigroup, by the way, are simply too big to fail. And